Check one, check two, check one, check two. Again. In the 17th century, a mathematician, philosopher, and theologian by the name of Blaine Pascal says this, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they are unable to stay quietly in their own room. As you are at your home, in your own room, as I was quiet for 30 seconds, were you able to stay quietly? What was that experience like for you? Did you have anxiousness where, oh, there's something going on and I need to fix it? Maybe Facebook or YouTube stalling and, oh, something wrong with my computer, my TV, I need to figure that out. Maybe you're a young family and about eight seconds in, your children are already getting restless and they wanted to move on to the next thing. Maybe you yourself started to feel a little discomfort, a little anxiety, a little uh, that this was something was going wrong. What were you like as you stayed quietly in your own room? We've been in the middle of a series that we've called Flourish, Life in the Kingdom. This focuses on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and his vision for human flourishing. As we look at that vision, we've been instilling these uh, part of this series called Formed to Flourish, which focuses on specific practices and disciplines that Jesus himself engaged in and that saints for generations have practiced so that they can be formed by the Spirit towards a life of flourishing. Right now, we're in the middle of what we're calling the slow down disciplines. Also, as we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've been able to notice and recognize a lot of anxiety and fears and concerns have been circling around what's next and what's the news and how long this is going to last, that it's been an anxious presence. And so what we're calling our church and what we believe the Spirit's leading us into is learning how to be a non-anxious presence. And so a non-anxious presence absolutely requires engagement in the slowdown disciplines of silence and solitude where our anxious hearts can be transformed by a presence and loving Lord. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but the idea of a non-anxious presence or slowing down is not normal. It's not the norm. If you know me, you know that my life is fairly active. My family tends to be fairly active. I like to accomplish things and check things off the list. I like to fill my schedule and back, go things back to back. But as I've engaged being a disciple of Jesus... I've recognized that for many t times, my 
natural state is one of an anxious presence, not a non-anxious presence. And so over the last couple of years, I've been learning what it means to have these moments of silence, to engage in periodic solitude and days off and Sabbath so that my soul can be transformed and so that I can be formed to flourish as Jesus desired. And I've started to notice and recognize how much is at stake and indicators of what it means to whether I have an anxious or non-anxious presence. So let me help you think through where you're at currently. So indicators that you have an anxious presence. First thing, have you ever felt so busy or overwhelmed that you're unable to sleep at night? Maybe you're thinking about everything that happened that day and you're trying to fall asleep, but you're unable to fall asleep. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about your previous day or the day ahead and all you're thinking about is the overwhelming nature of your life and so you can't truly rest and fall asleep. Secondly, maybe you feel unsettled. Do you have a hard time just remaining still and quiet? So you're trying to fill the void with your phone and scrolling through social media or playing a game. Maybe your go-to is Netflix where you just are trying to find the next thing to binge. Maybe it's food or food or other unbesetting practices that you find yourself going to because you can't just be still. Third, maybe you are somebody that when you hear the need and call for disciple making, the mission of making disciples, the the desire that Jesus had that he's given his people to see the lost come to faith and for us to reorient all of our life around the people that need to know Jesus. You hear that and you just go, whoa, that's a lot. I know I'm already overwhelmed. I'm too busy. I just can't add one more thing. Or lastly, maybe you feel so fearful of slowing down because if you were to slow down, you'd actually have to address the things going on in your own heart. So it's better to just stay busy so you don't have to go after those. These are all indicators of what it means to have an anxious presence. And even before the COVID-19 pandemic, I believe that this is and has been the constant and regular state of being for our society. And even before all this, people have been trying to figure out ways to counteract the non-anxious presence. And so one of the ways that people have been doing that is through practices of mindfulness. How do they counteract that anxious presence, well, we need to learn to be mindful. And so there's lots of things going around about meditation and mindfulness. And so you may be a Christian, you hear that and you have this idea of slow down disciplines, non-anxious presence, like, whoa, wait a second. I'm not going there because that's really new age. That's, that's really Buddhist. We're, we're not called to do that stuff. You may be somebody who doesn't yet believe in Jesus and you regularly practice the mindfulness disciplines. And what I want to submit to both of those concerns and both of those groups of people I just mentioned is that there's one key ingredient that's missing from both. Whether you're regularly practicing mindfulness, you're missing something. 
whether you're afraid that by engaging in be, uh, these disciplines and having a non-anxious presence, we're going to go away from Jesus, you're missing something. Both of those are missing that one key ingredient, which is Jesus himself. Your mindfulness without Jesus is not true rest. Your fears that we're going down a path that are opposed to Jesus actually find their roots in the life of Jesus himself. So I want you to open up your Bible and I'm going to show you this in the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So first open up to Matthew chapter 4. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In the account of Matthew, Jesus had just been baptized. The Spirit had come upon him. The voice from heaven had spoken, This is my Son, whom I am well loved. And he's about to enter into 40 days of uh, fasting and then a face-off with Satan himself. And so this is what we find in the middle of this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into where? The wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So much of this is found in the understanding, not only of Matthew, but of Mark and Luke, of the term wilderness. This is the Greek word eremos. And so when Jesus was going into the wilderness, for so long, I used to think that Jesus was going to weaken himself. And in weakening himself, he was making it a fair game. And what I'll say is, I actually not only think that's partly true, Jesus wasn't only weakening himself in the sense that he was physically weakened. He didn't eat any food. So as a full man, he was weakened in that sense. But in slowing down, in entering the Aramos, what he was doing was he was actually strengthening himself in his spirit. He wasn't getting lower so that he could face Satan. He knew by being fully man, he needed to strengthen himself, experience the solitude and silence where his spirit could be strengthened and filled so that he could face off with Satan. We don't only see that here. We see this same word, Aramos, used in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, this is coming off of a full day of Jesus' ministry. He has just been healing on the Sabbath. He has been proclaiming the gospel. He's been getting a little famous during this day. People are hearing about him and coming and flocking so that many more people could be healed. And so the day's over. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark... He departed and went out to a what? Aramos, a desolate place, and there he prayed. If uh, Jesus, after a full day of ministry, he had just healed, he had just served, he had just proclaimed, he had done the work that God had called him to do, what was his response he, he knew he needed a time where he could enter into the, a place where his soul and spirit can be strengthened for the days ahead. 
He entered into the Eremos, what he experienced when he was tempted. He went into it so that his soul could be strengthened and he could be tra- experience the presence of his father. Now, this isn't just a practice that he did himself. He also equipped his disciples in this practice. Mark chapter 6. In verse 30, we'll read, but by prior to this, Jesus had just sent out the 12 disciples to go about doing the work that he was doing. So they were proclaiming the kingdom of the, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. They were seeing many people healed. There was a lot of good things that were happening. Full day of ministry, full time of living on mission. Okay. And what happens in verse 30? The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Listen, verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to uh, Aramas, a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat and they went away in the boat to a desolate place in Aramos by themselves Jesus himself knew that this was the place and opportunity environment where he was ministered to by the father and where he his disciples could also be ministered to as well I love how Luke chapter 6 just summarizes this practice of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, excuse me, verse 16, it says, But Jesus himself would often, would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. This silence and solitude practice was something that was normal in the life of Jesus. One author, Adele Calhoun, writes in the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Solitude with God was a way Jesus remained in touch with his true identity in God. Dallas Willard says it this way. He says, We find our way into a life where the power of inward hindrances to obedience or abundance are broken by observing what Jesus and others who have followed him do and learning to structure our lives around those same activities. So if we want to have the power of our inward hindrances of obedience and abundance, if we want those broken, we need to observe what Jesus observed and we need to do what he equipped generations of his disciples in. And we need to structure our lives around those same activities. And what is one, some of those activities? Silence and solitude. So this is what I'm going to invite you into right now. I'm going to invite you into the practice of silence. You're going to have one minute. Uh, there's going to be something that uh, gives you an indication about what to do next. But for one minute, everybody that's with you, whether you're young or you're old, I invite you to one minute of full silence. After that, there's going to be a slide that has a few questions that I invite every single person to um, answer and about their experience of what it meant to be silent. After that, I'm going to invite you back to this time. You'll hear me start teaching again, and we'll, we'll finish up our time with looking about the fruits of this 
and uh, then release you to communion. So please go, take a moment, a minute of silence, and then you'll hear. I want to invite you back into our time together. Go ahead and finish up your conversation. Make one last statement. But I want to invite you back into hearing what are the benefits and the fruit that comes from regularly engaging periods of silence and solitude. The first one I want to submit to you is that it brings peace out of chaos. It brings peace in the chaos. Recently, I had um, a meeting where I left angry. And there's a part of the anger that was holy and good, but there was something about that took place that I was just fired up about. I was on my way home and I was rehashing it in my mind. I was literally um, recasting it and saying what was going on in my mind and all that stuff. And I was just, I mean, to the point of tears fired up. And I got home and I realized that I, I was about to enter into a different type of chaos as being a father. So I needed to, the, to engage this practice as I know I've done before. So I turned off the car, turned off the music, moved my phone out of my way, and I just sat there. And what it started to do was it started to, as I limited the chatter in my ears, which we'll talk about, as I started to limit the noise in my heart, I started to identify what, what was actually happening inside my heart. I was able to notice the good things, but also notice the false narratives that I was believing. I started to identify the moments where I was actually on my way home, casting it in a different light. And it allowed me to just for my, I didn't solve everything. It wasn't like this fully complete healing moment. But in that moment, I was able to experience a moment of peace, of quiet, of stillness. And it fueled me so that I went into my home not bearing and bringing on that anger, but allowing me to, with the Father, address it rightly. So silence and solitude brings peace in the midst of chaos. I want to submit to you another way, um, and this is found also in the life of Jesus, that Jesus used silence and solitude as an opportunity to grieve. After he found out that John the Baptist had been murdered. He went out to silence and solitude and he grieved. I don't know if you have yet, but in the midst of all this COVID-19 pandemic, there are things that are sad. Whether it's our lives that have been changed. It may be that you're not able to go on that trip. It may be that your children are not able to finish the year with the teacher whom they love. It may be the fact that you're just separate from friends. You want to give hugs, but you can't. You feel constrained. Whatever it may be, there's something about this that requires us to grieve and mourn the loss that we're experiencing. 
Now, for some, it may be the death of loved one, but for all of us, it's the death of something. It's to change and transition. And so in the midst of that chaotic experience, silence and solitude brings us to a place of pause so that the peace of God can transcend it. Not only does it bring peace to chaos, but it does bring peace to chaos in a specific context. And that's the second point, that silence and solitude limits the noise so that we can hear his voice. It limits the noise of our world so that we can hear the voice of God. John Mark Comer says this, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. So limiting the noise is literally quieting our lives, quieting our ears and learning how to quiet our hearts. So the quieting of the ears, this is where silence and solitude come together. You have to remove yourself. You have to not be around other people. You limit the technological inputs. You limit the music and you just sit in absolute silence. And as you do that, you start to notice the loudness of your heart. You notice the conversations that you're replaying. You notice the frustrations that you have. You notice the fear, the guilt, the shame that's driving you and motivating you more than you realize. You start to experience the sadness that's actually going on, something that you haven't grieved that you're now getting a chance to grieve. That whatever chaos and chatter, oh, I should do this, I should be better at this, I should, whatever that may be, that's what's happening internally for all of us. And so what silence does, as we quiet our ears, it gives us an experience that we can encounter that very chatter, that very chaos in our hearts, and learn to address it. And as we are quiet and still and wait upon the Lord, He then is able to heal those wounds, bring fullness to what's lacking bring order out of the chaos. And it's in that still smallest of silence that he's able to heart to heart minister to our souls in ways that we can't unless we limit the noise. And lastly, silence and solitude doesn't just bring peace in the chaos. It doesn't just limit the noise so we can hear God's voice. It lastly enables us to love. It enables and empowers us to love. There's a lot of conversation happening in the church around these types of disciplines and rightly so. But my fear is that as we have these conversations, we are looking to these disciplines as an end in of themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. We absolutely 100% need to more fully, more often, and more regularly experience silence and solitude and Sabbath. I submit to you that you should have moments of silence daily, that you should have Sabbath weekly and extended times of solitude on a regular basis. So I, I'm encouraging us to lean into, to push into this, these moments. And yet, 
if these are viewed as an end to themselves, we're missing the point. If all we're doing is praying and all we just need to stay in prayer forever, that's not emulated in the life of Jesus. If we're thinking that all, all I need is silence and solitude, but we just stay there and it doesn't fuel the rest of the work we're called to, we're missing it. We have to see, and this is found in the life of Jesus. He went to those moments. He went to the Father to be recharged when he was depleted. And he went to those moments to fuel him so that he could continue to abound in mission. Soma, please hear me. If all we're doing is being quiet and having silence just for that sake, we're missing the point of the disciplines. The disciplines are to fuel mission, are to increase the way we abound and to um, develop a deeper heart so that we can love our neighbor as Jesus has loved us. This is important. This is an aspect to the fullness of mission. Now, I also don't want to go so far to the other end that oh, it's just mission, mission, mission all the time. No, no, you, you may live that way, but I'll submit to you, you actually need more um, times of silence and solitude. You need to be recharged. This is one of the things that we're noticing nationally in the missional church movement. We've lost the fuel that allows us to abound. And that fuel is the spirit of God that's gained in moments of silence and solitude and slowing down to pray and have our hearts transformed. We need those times. So if you think you can abound in love without those times, you're missing the point. If you think abounding in love is actually not necessary, you're missing the point. This is a holistic approach that I need to abide in Christ. I need to submit my heart to him. I need him to heal my brokenness and forgive my sin. I need him to meet me in the depths of my soul so that empowered and led by him, I can abound in loving my neighbor as Jesus has loved me and as I love myself. This is a necessary thing. So if you're, if you're trying to abound too much, you need to come back and settle in silence and solitude. If you think that silence and solitude is an end to itself, you need to get out there and abound in mission. So you may be tired. You may be at a point at your wit's end. Church, I invite you and experience the presence of God as you slow down in silence and solitude and Sabbath. And as you do that, as you recharge, as he brings peace to your chaos, as you hear his voice, as you limit the noise, let him lead you and empower you in ways that you didn't know you could as you abound in loving your neighbor as yourself. Even in COVID-19, you are a missionary. So let this fuel that. This isn't an opposition, but this is in partnership to abounding. And you and I desperately need it. And I invite you as this natural slowing because of the pandemic to more heavily increase in this so that we can more gratefully abound in mission. This is a powerful quote from Henry Nouwen. It says this, 
without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. You need to be with him. You need to listen to him. You need your hearts transformed so that you can continue to abound. All of this points to us being a non-anxious presence in the midst of an anxious world. I've put together a 10-minute video that lays out some practical ways in which you can experience silence and solitude on our website, which is somafw.org. So if you want to know how to more practically do that, we've put that on there. And all of this, like I said, points to us being a non-anxious presence in his kingdom. And I want to speak to those of you that don't yet profess faith. This fullness of life, this peace that is in the midst of chaos, this non-anxious presence in the midst of an anxious world, this transformation can only happen in the kingdom of God as we're led by the Spirit of God. It only can happen there and with Him. So if you practice all the mindfulness, if you work towards all these practices, but you're missing the key ingredient that is Jesus, you will still find yourself longing. And this is the invitation. It's not just to practice silence and solitude. It's that you experience life to the full that only comes with Jesus. The reality that God is holy and we are not able to be in his presence because of our sinfulness, that we willfully rebel against him. And that there needs to be a sacrifice in order for or justice to be paid in order for us to be in, in his loving, gracious presence. And so Jesus in his life perfectly lived according to all the rules that we, you and I are supposed to live to. That he died in our place for our sin. He took on my anxiety and gave me his non-anxious presence. He took on my sin and gave me his holiness. And in his resurrection, he victoriously rose from sin, Satan, and death. And so now by sending his spirit, I'm able to experience and walk with him. The invitation for you is to place your faith in Jesus. To repent, which literally means turn from believing a false God and turning into the one true God, not placing your faith in something or someone else and now placing in Jesus as the one that will sustain you and make your life whole. And so I invite you in the chat box to put that down that you're placing your faith, reach out to your friend that invited you to this and let them know that you're doing that or to ask questions and continue a conversation about how Jesus is and has changed our life. So let me pray for our time and then we're going to invite you to the table. Father, thank you that you paid the penalty that my anxiety and my sin and my brokenness was dealt with on the cross. And now in your resurrection and giving us of your spirit, you've invited us to experience and engage these slow down disciplines. You're inviting us to hear your voice. You're inviting us to experience peace amidst chaos. And you're inviting us into a life that is not only fulfilled, but it's abounding in love for others. So Jesus, as we are in this time 
Father, I pray that you are speaking to us, that you are healing our wounds, you are comforting us in our mourning, you are transforming our hearts, and you are fueling us for mission that to abound in ways that we could have never experienced. And so God, empower us, we pray, as we go to the table. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.